Well, I just wanted to give you another welcome. Uh, if we haven't met yet, my name is Ian. I have the uh, joy of leading the eldership team here, which lead the church. Um, and just say you're really welcome. And I hope you've enjoyed it so far. Um, what we've seen today as we're celebrating the empty tomb, the grave that couldn't contain the second person of the Trinity, the Son of God. Uh, what we've seen today is a visual demonstration, as Jesus already talked about, uh, and a representation of what has happened. Firstly to Jesus, and secondly to those that believe in Jesus. Um, it's often described baptism uh, as the happiest burial service you'll ever go to. Because there is resurrection at the end. Um, it's good to be together as well, isn't it, this year? But if you, if you were with us last year, we were outside, up on the hill at Oak Hall. Uh, and the year before, we were online. Uh, we remember those dark days. Um, and like many things, really, over the last couple of years, it's felt like Easter was almost cancelled. But we carried on. We couldn't be together. Christians are meant to be together as well. Um, many things have been cancelled, though, haven't they, over this period? Anyone had a holiday postponed or cancelled over this time? Yeah, yeah, quite a few. Um, there's weddings been postponed, concerts cancelled, church meetings cancelled, celebrations cancelled, sports events, medical procedures, children's parties. So, you know, it's not all been bad, but... Um, <laughs> I have three children. I've been to many children's parties in my time. It's much better like this. Um, and we've kind of got used to cancellations, haven't we? we? There's that buzz phrase at the moment as well. We live in a cancel culture. So if somebody says something that's not particularly politically correct or upsets a group, group of people, they get cancelled. Basically, their career goes down the pan. Um, and there's been lots of kind of death around as well, hasn't there, over the last couple of years. I'm sure we've all been touched by... Uh, someone we know that's passed away. And it's like we've been a made aware in these last couple of years, more aware of the broken world that we live in. But today, in the midst of it all, there is hope. There is hope in this broken world. And today we celebrate the greatest cancellation of all time in the history of mankind because of Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday, death is cancelled forever. I'm glad you're excited about that. And in the midst of all this mess, God, it, the Bible tells us, prepares a table for us. He prepares a table. It's the well-known psalm, Psalm 23, in the presence of our enemies, it says, Surely goodness and love and mercy will follow us all the days of our life. And Jesus is at the table. It's not about what's on the table, just in case you're feeling hungry. It's about who's at the table. And Jesus is at the table today. And maybe there's stuff that you uh, have tried to forget, you don't want to remember from the last two years. I know I'm in that category. But today, because of the cross, because of the empty tomb, Jesus tells you today what he won't remember. And he's telling us today, I will remember your sin no more. One of the best descriptions of what happened over this weekend 2,000 years ago is in a, a book in the Bible called 1 Corinthians. It's written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Corinth. And it says this, that's 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 to 6. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel 
I preach to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved. If you hold firmly to the word, I preach to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as, as of first importance. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried and he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. And after that he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time. Most of whom who are still living, though some have fallen asleep. That means died, basically. They're not just you know, having a nap. Um, this is what is known as, as Paul describes, the gospel. The gospel is good news that God's plan from the beginning was to redeem the whole of mankind who had chosen to turn their back on God. To do what was right in their own eyes. To be their own God. And therefore, it was sin that separated humans from a holy God. Because God is just, there must be a consequence for this, for our sin. And that is judgment and separation from him. There is a debt to pay. Like when a crime is committed, people go to prison or pay a fine. There is, and a debt is owed to society. There is a debt owed to God for us all. In our rebellion, for our turning from him. But Jesus, however, took the punishment on our behalf. The sinless son of God took the punishment of sin of those who believe in him and their sins are removed. And death is cancelled. Praise God. He was buried in the tomb for three days and then raised from the dead on the third day. And then you might be thinking, hang on a second, let's just rewind a bit. I'm not sure if this is even true, if Jesus even existed. Well, Jesus is a historical figure. That is a fact. And this is not just what the Bible says. There's lots of uh, evidence outside of the Bible to tell us that Jesus was a real historical person. And what we see going on today, what we remember today, the resurrection, is Jesus' followers, when they discover the empty tomb, they're really thinking this through. Uh, why, though, is this important? Because... Lots of people think Christians might enter into faith and it's a kind of leap of faith. The, you know, there are rational people who need proof and evidence and then there are Christians who believe. But Christian faith works with thought and reasoning. And we don't have loads of time to explain it this morning. But one of the reasons I find this convincing is that all of the first witnesses of the resurrected Jesus were women. And why is this important? Let me explain. Historians will tell you that if in ancient times you wanted to make something up, you wouldn't have put women there as the first witnesses. Women were not accepted as a plausible, reasonable witness. Considered, they were not considered equal in ancient culture. And so the only historical, plausible explanation but why women are in the story is because they were there and because this happened. There is no other reasoning behind this. Um, other kind of reasonable, rational thinkers talk about this, the Bible being made up, made up stories. But this cannot be true. We have a science called textual criticism that dates and authenticates 
the original documents that we have. And if this was made up, we have these original documents. When the, this, this style of writing wasn't even exist, existed then, it wasn't invented. So this must be first-hand accounts where we hear about the resurrection. Also, hundreds of other people witnessed the resurrected Jesus. And their lives were changed as a result. As we've seen today, it's still happening. And these weren't just less intelligent ancient people who believed in miracles. They needed evidence. Mary needed to see Jesus. Thomas doubted until he saw the hat, Jesus' hands and feet. And when you look at the disciples' lives before the cross and after the cross and resurrection, you see the change. You have to come to a conclusion. If you don't believe in the resurrection and you see the change in people's lives and the people of lives today, then you kind of have to come up with a similar amazing force or intensity and end up making greater leaps of faith than actually believing in the resurrection itself. Anselm of Canterbury, I'm sure you all know and have read lots of his books, he said, credo et intelligent, which means, for I do not seek to understand in order to believe, but I believe in order to understand. And by raising Jesus from the dead, God declared his satisfaction and approval of the payment Christ has made on our behalf for our sins on the cross. So we can be free. Free to live the life he wants us to live in relationship with God, in the presence of God. By raising Jesus from the dead, death no, no longer has a hold on us. We can stand and declare what it says later in 1 Corinthians, in, from verse 54, when the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts in the immortality, they shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. If you believe that, then you can believe that last line and stand in it. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast and immovable. Jesus levels the playing field. In Romans 3, it says, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But because of the empty tomb and the resurrected Jesus, everyone who puts their faith and trust in Jesus and their hope in the work of Jesus will be saved. It's not about being good or bad. It's about being dead or alive. And you get to live the life how it was originally intended to be in relationship with God in his perfect design. There's another way to describe this. There's three circles that we're going to look at. The original, the first circle represents God's design. I believe God has a perfect design. When he created the heavens and the earth, everything was perfect. And he has a perfect design for every area of our life. A plan for our families, our marriages, our sex lives, our money, our work, our life, even our entertainment. God has a design for every area of our life. But the problem is something inside us wants us to do things our own way. 
We turn from God and we, instead of following God's plan, we try to do our own thing. We move away from God's perfect design and the Bible calls this sin. And it moves us away. And when people sin and against God's design, they end up in a place of brokenness. And this is tragic because brokenness really hurts. The brokenness of human life is real and someone, something everyone can relate to. When, whether you go to church or this is your first time in church, we will know that brokenness really hurts. We know what it's like to experience it, whether it's through our own choices or somebody else's choices. Brokenness can come from bad relationships or from something internal. We get addicted, depressed, discouraged, worried, feel used, feel empty. And these crooked lines are us trying to escape from our brokenness. We try to fill our lives. We find, try to find a solution from the pain. We fill our lives with family, career, money, houses, addictions. But every time we just get pulled back in. And we realise that we can't change ourselves and we start to look elsewhere. Start to look for someone who can help us change. The Bible actually has a word for this. And the word is repent. And when we come to a point where we realise we cannot change ourselves, we realise we need God's help and this feeling drives us to our knees. And we repent we ask God to help us to change. This is the only way that we can have permanent, long-lasting change. The Bible has a solution for this problem of the brokenness, and it's called the gospel. The gospel is a Bible word, as we've already said, means good news. God loves you so much. This is the good news. He loves you so much that he didn't leave you in your brokenness. 2,000 years ago, he sent Jesus to come and live a perfect life. Jesus <clears throat> never departed from God's perfect design. He never sinned. He loved people. He cared for people. He healed people. He spoke up for people who were broken. Then Jesus was crucified and nailed to a cross, nails in his hands and feet, a crown of thorn on his head. But Jesus did not die, didn't just stay on the cross. He didn't stay dead. The good news is that after three days, he rose from the dead. This miracle resurrection proves that Jesus is the Son of God and he has the power to forgive our sins. And if we want to really experience change in our life, we, we need to have faith. That's what the Bible word for believing in Jesus is the word faith. We have to believe that Jesus rose from the dead and put our faith and trust in him. Yeah. By faith, we believe that Jesus is our saviour and that he can rescue us from our brokenness. We turn away from our sins. That's what the word repent means. We turn from our sins and turn to Jesus. God does a miracle in our lives and he restores us back to God's perfect design to recover and pursue what he has for us and even if you're a thousand steps away from God it is one step back draw near to him and he will draw near to you 
And no matter what you've done, what mistake you've made, how broken your life is, God is waiting for you. Once you become a believer in Jesus, you literally go the full circle. And when you come the full circle, he then has a perfect design for your life. He sends you back into the brokenness to tell others about it. So rejoice. That's what today's about. It's about rejoicing. Rejoice the greatest cancellation of all time. Rejoice that the debt that you couldn't pay has been paid for you. Death has been cancelled. Sin has been cancelled. Separation from God, cancelled. Wrath of God, eternal punishment, cancelled. Guilt and shame, cancelled. Religion and self-righteousness, cancelled. We're in a church, aren't we? What are you talking about? Religion, cancelled. No, it means we don't have to work. We don't have to do certain things. We believe and put our faith and trust in Jesus. And he will save you. Rejoice in this. And we can rejoice what it says in the book of Colossians, also in the New Testament. It says this, and you, that's all of you and me, you were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh. God has made you alive together with him, having forgiven all of our trespasses by cancelling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. What have you been looking for? When the the women appeared at the tomb, the angels asked them a question. They said, why are you looking for the living amongst the dead? What have you been looking for in life? For life. For renewal. But you can come to the one who gives life, who gives freedom, who gives joy. And it's never ending. And you get to be with him forever and ever and ever. And you have to no longer fear death. No longer fear the grave because it's been cancelled. How can you respond? Well, you've heard this good news and God wants you to respond to him and you can talk to him right now. It's really easy. And you can use words like this. My life is broken. I recognise it's because of my sin. I need you. I believe Christ came to live, die and was raised from the dead to rescue me from my sin. Forgive me and I turn from my selfish ways and put my trust in you. I know that Jesus is Lord of all and I will follow you. So if you want to do that, if this is the first time you've heard it, or the second or the tenth or the hundredth time, but you want to come to Jesus and put your trust in him, we're all just going to bow our heads for a moment. No one's going to be looking at you. You can just say this in the quietness of your heart. And you can just repeat it after me as I pray. Thank you, Lord. You can just repeat these words after me. Lord Jesus, my life is broken. I recognise it's because of my sin. I need you. I believe, Jesus, that you came to live, die, and was raised from the dead to rescue me 
from my sin. Forgive me. I turn from my selfish ways and put my trust in you. I know that Jesus, you are Lord of all. And I promise with the help by the Holy Spirit to follow you. Amen. And if you've prayed that prayer for the first time, or you're coming, feel like you're coming back to God, believe these words which says, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Or everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Why don't we respond to that? Why don't we sing another song of worship as the band starts to come up? What, what's next? If you've prayed this prayer, you're saying, Lord, I want to follow you. I want to give my life to you. Well, you can begin this journey. The Bible teaches us how to pursue God's design for our life by prayer, by going to church, by reading the Bible, and by sharing your experience. That middle verse from Matthew 6 says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be provided for you. Yeah. There'd be people that would love to pray for you afterwards. I'll just be waiting around over here to my right, to your left. They'd be happy to talk to you about stuff. They'd be happy to speak to you. We've got Bibles at the back behind the PA desk. And we've got these little booklets called Why Jesus. They're on, by both doors as you go out. If you want to pick one of these up, they'll just talk you through and help you understand what's happened if you pray that prayer or you want to know more just pick up one of these we would love to pray for you and speak to you afterwards why don't I just pray before we worship Jesus we thank you that you are good we thank you that you have risen hallelujah we thank you that death is cancelled we thank you Lord Jesus that we can rejoice in the midst of it all will you come and meet with us afresh Lord, as we come to worship, Lord, open our hearts for all that you want to do in us. In Jesus' name, amen.